0: Have you ever wondered how to support someone who's grieving but felt unsure of what to say? My guest, Carla Midgley, shares her personal journey of losing her father to cancer. Through her powerful story, we explore the importance of communication in times of grief and gain insights into challenges of articulating our emotions. Next on the Executor Help podcast.
1: This is the Executor Help podcast. Learn how to settle an estate, pick an executor and avoid family fights. For more information, go to davideadie.com. Now here's your host, David Eadie.
0: So with me today on the podcast is Carly Midgley. The reason why I'm having Carly on is I strongly believe in the uh, power of conversation, especially when it comes to discussing grief. So having Carly on the show today, it, i feel very fortunate because we're going to talk a little bit about the loss of her father due to cancer. And we both have something in common there. We just talked about that before I press record. So we both say F to cancer. And we're also going to talk about the challenges of finding the right words to talk about the loss. Carly, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I think well, how I found you is um it was uh the title of your Column, your personal story in HuffPost, and it was entitled "I Lost My Dad." These are the seven words I wish I'd never been told at his funeral. And when I saw that, made me like, oh, geez, I need to read this because you know, having doing this podcast and writing the book, I see that people don't know how to act when it when they have to deal with someone who's lost a person when there's death and they're uncomfortable with it. What made you want to write such a deeply personal experience in the column?
1: Well. Uh, One of the ways that I processed feelings has always been writing. So I started trying to write about the experience almost immediately after it happened, um, chronicling some of the interactions that I had and the weird way that grief feels inside your head as opposed to seeing someone else go through it. But I was so close to that grief and had so much raw emotion in me that uh, I really couldn't wrangle it into a bigger unified point with any sort of clarity. So it took a few years of kind of kicking around the memories inside my head and figuring out how I felt um, before near the end of last year, I was finally able to look at it with that slightly surgical eye (laughs) that you Mm -hmm. need to figure out how to communicate it to other people. I noticed a through line between a lot of the memories that I had initially tried to record about the struggle of talking about grief and the struggle of letting it interface with your regular life and this urge to discuss it that I'd never really read discussions of so I thought there might be something valuable there to share and I got interested in delving deeper into that
0: During the you know the episode of dealing with your dad that there was medical assisted uh, death and it's a it's a complex and emotionally charged topic can you elaborate elaborate a little bit on your father's decision and how it affected your family's uh, experience to his passing?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, my dad, um, when he was healthy, was happiest in nature. He loved camping and hiking and taking photos on walks around Lake Ontario. So um, his cancer, even before it took his life, took a lot of those things away from him. He wasn't able to use his body or just peaceably exist in his body without a lot of discomfort. And I know that he didn't feel able to be a caretaker for my siblings and I in the way that I I know he wanted to. So frankly, I don't think that he felt able to live in a meaningful way uh, or in a way that wasn't painful and limited. So to be able to have this little bit of control, to be able to dictate not whether he died too young, but whether he died at home and with his family and after how much suffering, I think that was hugely meaningful. I've been asked before if I felt, you know, betrayed by that choice. And I could not emphasize enough how, how far that is from the truth. Right. Of course, I missed him. I wish he could still be here. But because I love him, I don't wish that he had forced himself to live with that illness for a longer period. I'm really, really grateful that he was able to dictate some part of when and how he died and that we were able to say goodbye to each other and hug each other and that those final moments were quick and painless which is far from a guarantee with cancer and with any kind of death
0: yeah when someone says well you know do you feel betrayed do you i look at it that the individual whatever they're going through that's their personal journey and for us to Mm -hmm. say no no we don't want you to go or whatever it, it, it you're making it about you um when it came to my mother when she did find out she had cancer, they said, well, she's got six to eight months if she had some surgery. And then we said, you know, she said, well, I'm not going to have the surgery." and then she, you know, and we said, Mom, that's your, your choice. And then she says, No, I'm going to do the surgery a day or two. But by the time they when they opened her up, they said, she's only got about a week or so and she was gone in within a week. So we were comfortable, just let her make the final decision. Because at that point, it's it's somebody's own final journey. Yes, we're going to, we miss them and we're going to love them, but it's, I guess you found comfort that they decided this is the way that they, that uh, he wanted to go and you were at peace with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, um I won't say it's none of my business because it affected me, but I don't think it's up to me how he decides to um, deal with the situation that he's in and what feels meaningful and peaceful for him as far as how he dies um, that's so so personal
0: right it's it, it, and when when he decided uh, the first make that decision or he announced it to the family how did the, did the did anybody want to talk him out of it or everybody was at peace with it and they say it's your choice
1: i think within um our family and and his close relationships everyone understood we're pretty in general and inclined to I guess be let people make their choices um it's not hurting anyone and it's so personal right we're all kind of inclined that way in the first place um there were a couple of looser connections where people would try to maybe say are you sure this is what you want um but i think that especially having um the family be supportive of it and having his own mind so made up and also not feeling like there were a lot of other peaceful options that all contributed to, to kind of solidifying the decision.
0: And so it also made him, made it easier on himself as well, because everybody was there to support him. And that's what you yeah. would find at the end is that he knew that he was cared and loved for, and he was making the right decision for them. In your column, you mentioned uh, struggling to find the right words to talk about your, your father after death. Can you share a little bit more about the challenges you faced in discussing your grief with others?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was surprised by how often I wanted to talk about my dad um, because I hadn't really dealt with a loss of someone that close before. And it just never occurred to me that it would be a a desire to talk about it rather than something you'd want to avoid. Um, But going through the world after his death, I found people typically fell into one of a few categories. Most of the people I talked to in a day either didn't know about the situation or they knew about it but avoided talking about it or they would talk about it but try to get over it get it over with as quickly as possible so i i had never needed to talk about something more it felt like but it had also never been harder to get through a conversation about it which was jarring because telling a story about my dad was hugely emotionally charged all of a sudden both for me and anyone i told it to if i was light about it people would get uncomfortable or if i expressed any amount of you know heavy sadness people would get uncomfortable. So it was, yeah, um, kind of a no-win situation. And I felt like there was this huge weight um, just pressing down on every moment and affecting every interaction I had. And I kept finding myself wishing I could just, you know, wear a button or something that says my dad just died that would, you know, push people to be kinder by default or to ask me to talk about him or to understand why I... Can't answer their simple question. <laughs> uh, or whatever the case. I, I might totally be. understand
0: how you how you uh I mean there's uh, how you felt because you know there's a huge age difference between the two of us, but we both have lost a parent. Um, do you still have your is your mom still with you? Yes. Okay. So to this point, was that the closest person that you've ever lost?
1: yeah yeah absolutely. I had lost grandparents before, but uh, there's just Not such the a difference. yeah,
0: yeah it's it's hard. it it's it's your parent. it's uh. i I think with with my life, everything is sort of you you were going along and then this happened and you're you seem a little out of off kilter now with your life because it's the loss of of a parent. it's it's one of the hardest things. and i and I understand when you know you try to bring it up people are just so uncomfortable uh having that the conversation even though at some point it's going to happen to all of us they they you know they still rather tiptoe around it they in one way they want to make you feel better but they 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 want to hear about it but they really don't want to hear about it if you, if you get am i right or
1: yeah oh absolutely absolutely
0: yeah it's 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 a hard thing go ahead you were going to say i was
1: just going to say yeah i uh, i had a friend actually who uh lost her father a few years before I did um so even younger than me and i didn't even my dad hadn't been diagnosed and wasn't as far as we knew sick at the time and i i remember i don't think i brought it up to her at all because you just think well you know they'll say something if they need to and uh, i don't want to make things worse somehow by t- talking about it and i wish i had known at the time how valuable that would have been as a conversation
0: well, you, you just don't know <laughs> you just don't know what to say Unless you've gone through it, but now you're a lot more uh understanding if someone is to lose someone close or if, if anyone's gonna pass away, that you know how to to care not not to ask questions or be there for them, because you you understand what the grief that they're going through. In the column you you had the phrase, well, the seven words are you will never you will never ever get over it. It's something you encountered repeatedly. How did hearing these words impact your perception of your own grief journey?
1: Yeah, at the time, they mostly made me mad. <laughs> uh, I don't think any 22-year-old or any person of any age, for that matter, really wants to hear that the pain they're experiencing right now is going to turn into a permanent scar. Um, I, I get what you know people were going for, but it feels like the least productive possible way of saying what an awful thing has happened. But you know, coming at it now, six years later, um, I'm I'm more on the fence. Like it would be pig-headed of me to say there's absolutely no truth in it. Of course, this is going to stay with me. He's my dad, and the way he died was awful, and he was way too young, and so was I. Um, it's it's definitely changed the way I look at grief and at life and mortality and illness. But I don't know if I think that that's the same thing as never getting over it. Um, there's something about that phrasing that implies kind of a living damage, this constant pain and ongoing trauma. I don't think it's something I would ever say to anyone else Uh, in a situation that's already feeling so far beyond the grieving person's control. I don't want to tell them how they're going to feel or what their healing will look like. On top of which, my experience was that, again, I wouldn't say getting over it, but I It did get better. I don't feel the intensity of grief now that I felt in 2017 or in 2019 or in 2021. And I'm really grateful for that, that you don't just freeze when something awful happens.
0: The first time you heard someone say it to you, were you taken back? Were you like, wow, that's different? And then after you heard it over and over again, you started to analyze what they were saying, going, what the hell are they talking about? Don't they get it? What what, what was your first time you heard it?
1: Yeah, um, initially it was kind of that, what the hell? (laughs) Especially because I could tell they thought they were saying something helpful. But I think that, yeah, as I I, I tried to write about it pretty shortly afterwards to try to pick apart some of the complicated feelings I was having about it. And it was valuable at that point to be able to look at it and go, okay, I get what they were going for and it was frustrating and both those things can exist at once Um, it's not comfortable but they can
0: (laughs) yeah you also touched on the different ways people try to emphasize with your experience including suggesting that a quicker death might have been easier that's always when someone says that that's just like the stupidest thing how did you handle you know such comments during such a vulnerable time
1: that was yeah challenging. Um, I am a pretty conflict-averse person in the first place, and especially I was, you know, again pretty young at the time, so I, I didn't tend to argue with people. I just sort of nod and smile, and yeah, I get what you're saying, you know. Um, but it helped to write about them or complain about them to my mom or my husband or my sister, and I I tried to also keep in mind. It's a sensitive topic for everyone coming into it. Like I mentioned in the article, those those comments always carry such clear fingerprints of other people's experiences with their loss and their grief. When someone tells me, you know, a car crash might have been easier, it's pretty clear to me that they've had their own experience with the awfulness that is cancer. And far be it for me to tell them they're wrong for themselves. Like, that's the thing with all of this. It's all emotion. So there's no right answer. What they're saying doesn't feel true to me, generally speaking, and it might be a thoughtless or a selfish thing to say to me, but it would not be better, I think, for me to turn around and say, well, that's objectively not true because that that feeling is very real to them. And I just try to keep that in mind and, okay, they can feel how they feel and I don't have to internalize that as a rule.
0: I think what's great about your your writing is um, one of the things you wrote that grief is like water an oceanic swell that demands release. I don't know. Can you elaborate a little bit more on the writing and the conversations that help you cope with overwhelming grief?
1: Yeah, I, um, I journaled a lot at the time I would try to write. I was trying to write fiction, uh, like I always had in previous years. Um, and I was finding I really couldn't focus long enough to, to put a story together. Um, so I would often just end up writing what I was feeling or, here's this stupid thing that someone said to me today, or I can't believe it's already been two months, or, or whatever the, the case might be, and that was valuable, and it also helped to have friends around who would ask, like, up front, how are you doing, right, Um, because it seemed like the world was continuing, like, normal for the most part, and I had to keep up with it, right, like, go to work, and pay rent, and buy people Christmas presents, and take showers like you have to do all of the stuff you usually do but at the same time you're grappling with this huge weight so it's like a a dissonance between your internal reality and your external and any opportunity to express that felt like a, a chance to bring some of what I was feeling inside into the outside world and have things line up just for the space of that conversation or writing on that page um You can't talk about it 24-7, but you do have to carry it 24-7. So those moments are really precious.
0: Can you share some advice for those who want to support somebody grieving now, but they don't know how to start the conversation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, The biggest piece of advice I have on that, I think, is just to try to talk about it with the person. Even if all you're saying is, I'm so sorry for your loss, um, that's at least an acknowledgement and it's an expression of compassion. I think it's also important to remember when you're talking to a grieving person that the conversation, like you said, David, is not about you. It's not your job to say the most unique thing or the most insightful thing or the most helpful thing even that they're going to hear. Your goal is just to show that you care about them and that you want to be that there for them in the way that they need. So when I have these conversations with other people, I'll try to empathize while putting as few expectations on them as possible. I might say, look, I know it's not the same thing. And I I know I don't understand, but I lost my dad in 2017. And I know loss is hard. I know I can't fix it. But if you want to go for a coffee, let me know. Uh, Things like that. I, I think just staying gentle and open minded and focused on their needs above my own is is the best thing I can do for for a person who's going through grief.
0: Yeah, you also talked about feeling disconnect from from the living uh, world at times. Um, how did you reconnect with life and begin to rebuild your sense of self after uh, such a profound loss?
1: It's um, a bit of a cliche, I guess, but the biggest thing was time. Uh, the first two years after I lost my dad were just really hard. And I, I don't think there's a lot I could have done that would have changed that therapy probably would have helped and i i really wish that i had had the emotional resources to set that up for myself but i know for sure it just took waiting it out around two years i started to feel more normal um for a couple of reasons as well because it wasn't just the time had passed it was also that i had made a few lifestyle changes um At the time my dad died, I was working my first full-time job, which was really demanding and which also um, required that I drive an hour each way every day. So between the commute and the job itself and housework and everything else, that leaves me with maybe two hours to feel my own feelings or just do something I enjoy. And that meant that all of this stuff was building up and building up and I wasn't having any space to process it. So changing jobs to something closer to home where I could spend more time in my head and figure out what I needed helped. Mm -hmm. I also got engaged in, that year. And that felt like a really hopeful thing. I remember being grateful that the closest milestone in my life was no longer my dad's death. It was something more, more hopeful and positive. Um, right. So I think the hallmarks will be different for everyone, but the biggest thing for me was time between me and the trauma and, and good memories and being able to move on.
0: And and the time it's not like your thoughts and your, you know, you know thoughts of your dad is, it's ever going to go away. The special experiences. I remember in the in the column, you've got a lot of uh, pictures of the time of you and your dad. And there's one in, in the two of you. Uh, I think it's out on a mountain or somewhere out. Uh, <laughs> it, it's beautiful landscape behind you. So those are never going to go away. Those are the the pictures in 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 your brain that's never going to go away. Um, he's just not physically here. But from time to time, there, there probably is a song, or there's probably something the two of you used to do together that probably triggers brings a smile to you or you know might be feel a little bit sad and that happens with me my my uh, think about my parents all the time it's hard but you have to learn how to to move on to uh move on with your life and and I guess that's what they would also want for us as well
1: definitely it's been nice to be able to um engage like and I can go camping and think about him and not be ripped to shreds about it anymore or listen to an artist he liked or even the other night we were watching old home movies and i got to hear his voice again for the first time in a long time and it what was that was, like it's nice to it was sad and weird in some ways because you just wish you could hear him saying new sentences i've right. seen these movies before and i i would love to i would you know be getting a, a glass of water from the kitchen and hear it from the other room and it was nice to pretend you know he was just talking to me my mom or something in the next room but um it was really nice as well like I'm glad we have that record of him because it's one of those little things you never really forget but it's nice to be able to revisit um it's like a,
0: it's a piece of his legacy that'll always live on and for the next generation too. because you you know at some point most mates show your kids that's your grandpa that was your grandpa yeah, exactly. and you've got plenty of stories that you can uh, you can tell them um which is all you know how much love of camping and all of those things there so he's never going to be far away he's always going to be in your heart you, you mentioned that talking about someone else's grief can also play can also be a way to process uh someone else's own experiences can you share an example of a conversation that helped you and the other person that's involved
1: i don't want to get into too close detail because so personal uh, absolutely, for everyone absolutely, who, yeah. in the conversation. But right. uh, there are a couple of people in my life who've who've gone through huge losses in the years since I lost my dad. I have uh, friends and family who've lost parents or partners or other family members. And I have found that some of the conversations that have stuck out the most have been with people who I liked or was acquaintances with before, uh, but didn't know all that well. But obviously, I'd prefer that neither of us had gone through the trauma but in situations where both of us have there's this sort of instant recognition that happens um someone who i know just as a friend of a friend or as a coworker might describe something that incredibly specific that they've felt um one example was the person they've lost feeling present after death in the way that they didn't before um and that's also something i've felt and never heard anyone else talk about mm-hmm. and I'll get to say, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I felt something similar and here's what it looked like for me. Um, and that doesn't take away the sadness that either of us feels or necessarily shorten what their grief journey is going to look like, but it loosens some of the isolation and the disconnect. It's, it's like recognizing your own nose on someone else's face and being like, how didn't I see that before?
0: Yeah. Um, how has your perspective on grief and loss changed since writing uh, the column? And and have you gained any insights from sharing your story with others?
1: Yeah, it's been um, it's been a journey in itself for sure. Uh, one of the things that surprised me the most has been the sheer number of people who have reached out to tell me that they've experienced the same feelings or similar feelings as what I described in the column. Um, <clears throat> especially that poll to talk about the person you've lost. It, it's such a specific reaction and one that I really didn't see depicted um in media about grief that. I didn't think it would be so ubiquitous. Um, a lot of people have reached out to okay. share their own stories. We reach um, out to have
0: them on your pod on their podcast. See so how would I how would yes. I, we've gone full <laughs> yeah, circle, absolutely. yes. Go ahead. Yep. Is,
1: yeah. <laughs> we circled back. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that that strikes me within the many stories that I've heard, which are all or like very many of them are, are moving or heartbreaking um some of them seem to just some of the people who reach out seem to just be reaching out for the sake of telling the story some of them are making bigger points or comparing them to my experiences but others um i've gotten a number of emails that are just a name an age a disease and a date and it it feels like the same kind of messy attempt at communion that I undertook um, you're trying to communicate something but you don't know what you just know you have to talk about this person and it's um it's something I'm honored by to be a space where people feel like they can bring that um, I just hope that we're able to make more space as a society for folks to tell those stories to people in their own lives um, and and meet each other in the kind of messy space that grief occupies and support each other in a way that, you know, I, a stranger on the internet, can't necessarily offer them back.
0: Yeah. But it also shows that we're all in this together, no matter where you are in the world and no matter the situation, it, it all, it, it affects the grief, the loss of someone close um, will have a a profound effect on you uh, for the rest of your life. My final question to you is, What message do you hope readers take away from your column about your father's passing and the way we talk about grief and loss in society?
1: That you're seen and you're understood, first and foremost. Yes, this is awful, and you're not alone. Um, You might be deeply affected by it, and that's normal, and it doesn't mean you're broken. It also doesn't mean you're broken if you're not deeply affected. Grief is weird. I hope it encourages people to be more empathetic to each other, uh, to remember that everyone in a conversation about grief is feeling some amount of loss, and that you're doing something really important and kind by speaking and listening about it.
0: I think what you did, taking the time to share, has helped a lot of people. Uh, I want to thank you for being here. Carly Midgley... Uh, I hear that you're a writer, freelance editor, and lot, library program planner based near Toronto. Apparently, when you're not writing, you can be found drinking too much tea. Interesting. And overanalyzing <laughs> books and video games. Really, you, you've you got a lot of things going on there. Uh, I, <laughs> what you did is was a, a special thing. In one way, you're kind of a little bit of an angel because for people to reach out to you and let them know how they're hurting and they just wanted to share their grief with somebody else because they're saying ah I get it I'm exactly I'm feeling exactly what she is uh going through um that makes you a very special person and I'm very fortunate and blessed to have uh had the time to take have this conversation with you and for that I, I appreciate you being here on the show if people want to get in touch with you or they want to reach out or you know read that column that touching column that you did in Post, they can probably just google it I assume
1: yeah or- yeah they can I do have a website as well it's Carly Midgley.com, um, where there will be links to the uh, to the article and ways to reach out if you do want to get in touch as well.
0: Okay, so Carly Midgley, once again, thank you so much for taking the time to be here on the Executive Health Podcast. I wish you all the best. And uh, your dad's looking down on you and he's probably nodding going, she did good. Mm-hmm. She's, he's proud of you. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a really a genuine pleasure speaking with you.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. To catch up with all the latest from me, go to daviede.com. There you can follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next time.